0: Father, Lord, I just, i get, God, I pray for hearts tonight, Lord, hearts that are broken, God, hearts that are full of sin, full of wickedness, and they can't see you, Lord, they can't hear you or feel you. God, I pray for the Christians struggling with sin, feel like you're not there. God, I just I pray for everybody in here, God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would come together and be unified and be strong in our fight in this world. Lord, I be strong in our convictions and stand firm on what you've called us to do, Father. Lord, I pray that tonight the words that are spoken, the words that are read, would penetrate the hearts like a two-edged sword, Lord. And that we would allow you to search the depths of our hearts. Lord, that you would clear our minds and allow us to hear and see what you would have to say and what you would have to show us, God, in our lives. God, I pray that the heaviness on our hearts would not be a burden to us, but God, be motivation to keep going, to keep on fighting, and to keep leaning on you and to keep pressing into you and depending on you with everything that we have, God. Thank you for your love, and thank you for the cross. It's the whole reason why we're meeting here tonight. And God, I pray that we would be able to see it. We would be able to see it with, in, in its light. God, no, no blurriness to the, to the side of it. God, we'd be able to see it so clearly that it would change our lives. In your name we pray, amen. So my first question... For all of us, is if somebody came up and asked you how you feel about sin, what's the first thing that comes to mind? If someone says, How do you feel about sin? What is it? What, what do you think about it? How do you feel about it in your heart? And what do you think about it? What would you say? That paper you have in your hand. I want you to fold it in half and not let anybody else... If you're an adult, I want you to do it too. Don't let anybody else see this and your neighbors don't look at somebody else's paper. I want you to write down on that sheet of paper the sin that you most struggle with. If you have to search deep in your heart Do it. If if it just comes right up in your mind, write it down. The sin that you most struggle with So, when we talk about sin, what if I told you, or what if I asked you, is it okay for Christians to sin? Or what if I asked you, is it okay for lost people to live in their sin? See, this talk about sin, for some reason, and it has always been the case since Genesis chapter 3. We as a society, as a people, as human beings, period, build up a tolerance for sin. Millions of people, millions of Christians across the world, people who consider themselves Christians, sin every single day with no thought whatsoever to how they're making God feel or they have no thought whatsoever on how this is affecting their testimony and how other people view Christianity. In fact, thousands of people around here in this area continue to live in their sin, continue to go on without following convictions that are in their heart, or even worse, they're continuing to live in their sin and not consider their sin whatsoever, and they don't have any conviction in their heart over their sin. They don't see it as a sin but yet they call themselves a Christian. See, we've built up a tolerance of sin in our lives as individuals and as a group. And so I ask you again, how do you feel about sin? And what would you say if I asked you what you think about it? Now, I want you to keep that sin that you wrote down on that paper, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we're reading through this text tonight. Just keep it in the back of your mind and understand and just, just wait on it until the end. But we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2 and we're going to read it section by section. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. He starts off by saying, the reason why he wrote this whole thing, the reason why he wrote this whole book, John says, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. You know what this tells me? This tells me that Jesus takes our sin way more seriously than we do. In our lives, we fight a very big battle every single day. Every single day, we fight a war against sin. And it is the biggest fight in our lives. It is the biggest influence on our lives. It is the thing we struggle with the most. Everything you can think of when it it comes to sickness, as it comes to heartbreak and everything else, everything bad is the result of sin. And so John writes this and says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. So going back to the first question, do you fight that battle during your day? Is sin something you take seriously? Is sin something you want to get out of your life and instead pursue godliness? Or is sin just something else? Sin is just something you learn about in church, or sin is just a rule that you have to follow. You don't want to do this because that's a sin. Instead, I'm just going to not do that because that's what I'm supposed to do. So we go on, it's continuing in verse 1. It says, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. This is great news. In our struggle for sin, we have an advocate. A better word for this, or a more modern thing for this, a more thought, better thought, is uh, a defense attorney. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says that Satan is in front of God accusing us all day and all night. He accuses us and tries to, to get us to be guilty. So God's the judge, there's no jury, And so his say is the final say-so. He gets to choose whether we are guilty or found not guilty. So Jesus is our defense attorney. And if any one of us does sin, then he is the advocate. He's, He's pleading our case in front of God while Satan is accusing us. And it says, he is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous He is without sin. And He's pleading our case in front of the Father. If you've ever heard someone say, well, if you get saved, God now looks at you as if you were Jesus. Well, I've always been so confused of what that actually means because we're taught as Christians to be able to look back at Scripture and say, does it line up with Scripture? Because if it doesn't, then it's not true. And when I read this, I finally understood, and that thought was in the back of my mind. It always is, because I'm always thinking, you know, and Kenny tells me all the time I'm legalistic, so I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, what if I sin? Well, God knows that I'm sinning, right? God God sees me in my sin, but if He sees me in my sin, how does He look at me as if, I'm Jesus, as if I'm righteous, as if I'm perfect, or that I've never sinned before. It's because Jesus goes to the Father and pleads our case for us. He goes to the Father in our place and says, God, he's mine. I've taken care of him. He's good. There's no more guilt. He is not guilty. And so God, looking at his perfect, righteous son, says that, I am not guilty, that you are not guilty. Why? Because Jesus is saying that we are righteous because our righteousness is not our own, it's Jesus's. And we'll learn more about that in a second. But that is why God can look at us as if we're righteous because his righteous son pleads our case. When Satan is saying, this is what he has done. He's added up a bunch of charges against us and says, he he is guilty. I have evidence. And Jesus says, no, forget that. He's righteous. I have forgiven him. And it continues on in verse 2. We're just going to go through the whole thing. And then at the end tonight, we're just going to make connections. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make connections with Scripture. We're just going to go through it and learn about it because that's what we need to do. Verse 2 says, He Himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. That verse is incredibly important. We hear all the time that Jesus died for the whole world and see, these things that we're talking about can become so just cliche almost, almost as if when someone says it, you don't believe it as it's Scripture. Or if they, if they say it, we, we almost take it like John three sixteen. if somebody quotes that or if somebody has that tattooed on their body, we almost don't think, okay, well, a lot of people believe that verse or a lot of people know that verse, so it doesn't necessarily mean they're a Christian or a lot of people say stuff about Jesus, you know, like he died for the sins of the whole world, or he loves us all, and it can almost become numb to us. So we look at this, and it says that he is the one who atones for us, and that he not only did it for us, but he did it for the sins of the whole world. But this is what I want to point out. I don't want to point out that he did it for all the world. I want to point out something that we may have not have caught. In the very beginning it says, My dear children, I am writing to you so that. He starts off with, My dear children. And he it says, He not only died for you, but for the sins of the whole world. So who is He talking to? This whole time we're thinking He's just talking to a general people, but who is He actually talking to? He is talking to Christians. He is talking to followers of Christ. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, I asked you a little bit ago in the beginning, it says, Is it okay for Christians to sin? Now, think about that for a second. It's kind of confusing. See, here's the thing we battle sin, but as human beings on this earth, we will struggle with sin, correct? We've all heard that. We know that. But where does it say it in the Bible? Where does it say it in Scripture that we're going to continue to struggle with sin and God is going to continue to forgive us? There are a lot of Christians, including myself, who struggle with specific sins that At that point in time, you you just don't know how to give it to God. You don't know how to overcome that. You may be weak in your faith. There may be trials going on in your life to make you weaker, and and it makes you feel like, well, I, I don't know if I can lean on God. I don't know what to do. You're confused. We're human. We are weak when those things happen. They happen for a reason. But here's the thing. You're struggling with that sin, and all of a sudden you start to think, well, I'm living in this sin and, and I, I think I am because I, I've done it a lot or I continue to do sins but it's not the same thing. I just I keep struggling with this sin. So how does God view me? Is God mad at me? Or will He continue to forgive me if I do this again? The incredible thing here is that he's talking to Christians specifically. He says, but if any one of you does sin, we have an advocate with the Father who pleads our case. That is incredible news because we will go on this life continuing to struggle with sin, whether you like it or not, but the great news is, is that He will forgive us because we have an advocate with the Father. And He is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And we, will be, we are righteous in God's eyes no matter what. If you want to know what the good news of the gospel is, it's that. But don't get ahead of it. Don't get ahead of it. Don't, don't think to yourself right now that, oh, I can continue to sin know that you will continue to sin, whether you like it or not, but don't think, I can continue to sin. It's the way you think about it. But also the second part of that is that he did die for the whole world. That word atonement there is the satisfaction of something. You see, our sin requires a punishment. and It says that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, atones for our sin. He satisfied the requirement that our sins required. God required a punishment because He is righteous, because He is just, and He satisfied that on the cross. Let's think about the cross for a second. What does the cross mean to you? When you think of the cross, that we basically talk about just about every single week, but when we think of the cross, what do we think? Now don't get me wrong when I say this, but let's not think of the cross as Jesus getting beaten. Let's not think of the cross as, as Jesus bleeding right now, okay? What is the whole purpose of the cross, and why did Jesus go there? the whole purpose of the cross, whether it was a cross or um, an electric chair, whether it was Him just dying, period, through sickness, whatever it was, the cross was a way for Jesus to pay for the punishment that we were owed. He satisfied God's wrath. And He did it on purpose. And I don't know if any of y'all think this way ever, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. But I feel like when I think of the cross, I mainly think about how He was beaten and how He had to carry it Himself. And all these things are Scripture. They're not wrong. But I think about those things so much so that I feel like He did it out of obligation, like, with a grudge on his heart. Because you'll hear preachers so many times say that you didn't deserve that. And they almost make you feel bad for Jesus going. I'm not saying that you're not going to feel bad about why he's going, but you almost feel like, man, he, dang, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't... No, he chose to do it. The thing about the cross is, is that it's good news for us. Don't, don't just completely put the beatings and the bleeding and carrying the cross and all that kind of stuff, don't put all that to the side. But I'm just saying, let, let's rethink the cross and why he actually did it. What is it for? It's for the atonement. But why did he do it? He did it out of obedience. Obedience to the Father. And He did it for the whole world. Why? Because the whole world is guilty. The whole world is guilty of sin. Now, their sins, people who are not Christians right now, they're not atoned for unless they put their faith in Him. Now, if you are a Christian... Your sins are atoned for. You are guiltless. The Father looks at you as if you have never sinned. To some of you, that doesn't mean hardly anything. You're probably thinking about something else right now. You're probably thinking about what kind of clothes you're going to buy for winter time, or you're probably thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or the stress that you've had this week. But I know for some of y'all, I know that that is just crazy good news. Just insane. Because you know your sin. You know how just nasty your sin is or your sin was. And you just wish, God, I wish I would have never, ever, ever done anything to break your heart. God, I wish I could just start life over and never sin, ever, and just live for you 24 7 and never sin because i hate my sin i hate myself i would rather live for you and love you and the fact that he did that for you and took away your guilt and took away your sin as it, as if it had never happened that is crazy 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 good news to you and that fills your heart with joy i know it i know that's how you feel And I know that when you see other people taking their sins so lightly, it frustrates you so bad that righteous anger just builds up in you and you say, Do you not know how your sin looks? Do you not know what your sin means? Your sin is bad. Your sin is not something you just take lightly. You don't just continue on doing it and say, I'll take care of it later. It is urgent, it breaks God's heart. And you see what Jesus did on the cross and you still just play like you can accept that later? What is that? What kind of attitude is that? That's not an attitude of your heart being broken over your sin. It's not an attitude of wanting your sin to be taken out of your life and instead just share the gospel and share the good news of Jesus atoning for people's sins with the rest of the world. Well, no wonder why we don't tell other people because we don't care about our sin. We don't care about theirs. We don't see that it's killing them. We don't see that the place they're going to end up is a place of despair and destruction and that their life is going to be worthless. We don't care. Why do we not care? Why do you not care? It's something we should care about. It's something we should get angry at ourselves about. Just that out of, out of love for the Father, out of love, out of, out of want for, to desire Him, we should be angry over our sin. We should be angry over other people's sin. Now, a righteous anger, just one full of grace, anger that is full of grace and wanting to just get it out because we see the damage it's doing. Verse 3 says, And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. It's almost as if John knew that we were going to be asking ourselves, well, how do we know that we're a child of God and that we're saved or if we're lost? How do we know that our sins have been atoned for? And it's so crazy... I know this is going to blow your mind, but the Bible says the answer about that. Some of you are going to ignore this, and that's that's understandable. That's cool. That's on you. But understand this. You're about to get the answer. And this answer is going to call you to make a change. This answer is going to beg for your decision right here, right now. This is urgent. This is not something, okay, if you're thinking about it, and it's concerning your heart and you're trying to get to the bottom of it, that's called seeking. That's called making a, a choice to do this, to think about what we're about to talk about. But this answer doesn't say, well, I'll figure it out later. This answer doesn't just let you sit there in your chair. Okay, so if you're sitting in your chair, you're actually doing one thing. You know your answer if you're not doing something. That's how you know your answer. But we're about to figure out the answer. How do you know? It says we can be sure that we know God if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. So many times, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard someone say, how can you judge me? How can you say I'm not a Christian just because I drink? How can you say I'm not a Christian just because I have sex? Just because I'm cussing, you say I'm not a Christian? You can't judge me. Come on. I mean... Really? Let's think about this. Let's think about this real close, okay? You can't judge me whether I am or am not a Christian based on my actions. I want to ask, why not? Oh, well, I didn't know it was a sin. Then you don't have the Holy Spirit. Oh, but... Where does it say in the Bible that cussing is not a sin? Or yeah, where does it say in the Bible that cussing is a sin? I want to ask: Do you talk to God? Do you? You said you know God, right? Are you lying? If someone claims I know God, but they don't obey His commandments. They are lying, and we want to say something like, and I, "I go to Kenny, okay?" So we can have these conversations because, just because. So I'll go up to him and I'll say, "Look, man, I I don't know for sure because I I can't I can't really say, but man." I know this person's not a Christian. Man, they say that they are, but they're not. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't obey God's commands. And I promise you, if someone else heard that conversation, I promise you, if you put 10 people around us while we're having that conversation, nine out of 10 of them would say, well, how do you know what they're doing? How do you know their heart? How do you know that they don't have the Holy Spirit? Oh my goodness. I... When you are with a brother of Christ and he is right next to you, I, you can tell his heart in about five seconds in a conversation. I promise you. I don't care who tells you that you can't. I mean, I know sometimes there are cases where you're like, man, I really don't know. Most of the time, 10 minutes into a conversation, you're going to be able to tell. They're going to be either humble or prideful. You're going to be able to tell whether they have the Holy Spirit or they do not. When you talk about Jesus, you're going to be able to tell whether they know the guy. I promise you, you will. This is not something, this gray area. There's, I mean, very few cases that I know of that I'm just like, man... I really honestly just don't know. And for those people, I seek it out. I really do, because if I don't know, if I truly don't know, I'm scared for that person. If I truly know that they're not saved, I handle it way different. I handle them as if I'm dining with a sinner. And I try to show them the love of Christ through my life, through my words. But if they're a brother in Christ, I treat them way different too. I talk to them about my struggles, about what, hey, I need some advice about this sin I'm struggling with. I need prayer. I'm not going to go to a lost person and say, I need prayer. God won't hear their prayers. They're in sin. They can't approach God in sin. They're not yet righteous. Jesus is not pleading their case because they have not asked Jesus to plead their case. I'm not going to treat a lost person the same I would a saved person. And the first thing I do when I talk to a person is try to discern whether they know Jesus or not. Because I'm going to talk to them, i treat them totally different. I'm going to have love toward them either way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the way I approach them, the way I talk to them, the mannerisms, everything like that, it's different. And the Holy Spirit, this is going going to blow your mind too. The Holy Spirit actually will give you guidance and discernment on whether a person is or, or is not. So if you're asking, well, how do you know? That's how. That's how. You look at their life and see, are they obeying God's commandments? Now understand, if you're a Christian you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I know I went throughout this day and I didn't obey all of God's commandments. I'm a sinner. I broke God's commandment earlier. I did this. I did. You can pick out so many things, Christian. I know you can. I do it every single day. I think to myself, well, I did this. Don't think that way. Don't think that way. See, here's the thing. We have to understand what God's commandments are, right? Right. It has an S on there for a reason. But tonight, we're really just going to talk about one because it's in the context where we're talking about, and in two weeks, we're actually going to be talking about the second most important one. So let's continue on reading. It says... But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Now, I have a visual aid just to kind of give you all an idea of what this is like. So, it was summertime. Now it's fall time. It's getting kind of cold. So, you know... I can't wear the same clothes anymore. And Jesus talks in parables, so I'm going to tell you all one. There was a guy named Keith, and he set out on his journey to be a professional beach bum. And so that's what I was just now before I took my Chacos off. I got my snapback on, my city on it, and living simply, don't pay attention to the hat here. But now, God changed my direction in life. So instead of being a beach bum, I'm moving to Quebec, Canada. And it's freezing there. It's probably snowing. And if some of y'all have Superman vision, don't look at my toes. This is not a pillow, it's a jacket. I know that just blew your mind, too. Holy Spirit led me to do that. Stuff that back in there. I'm just so thankful this is my visual aid because it's about 20 degrees in here as it is. Got to put my, just pretend like these are wool socks. Super functional. Everything I have on has a purpose. I promise. Hip cramp. Got to put my boots on. Walking on different terrain now. Stop laughing! <laughs> I know it probably feels weird watching me getting dressed, but that's okay. Make sure I tie my shoe. These are my hiking boots. If you're thinking, "Oh, guys, those are ugly," yeah, whatever. Y'all don't even know how to dress. Y'all should probably go on what not to wear. But y'all are thinking I should. It's the new style. Y'all are gonna see these come in. Trendsetter its my nickname. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not sweating. <laughs> so, back to the text. It says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. So at the very start, of this whole series, we were talking about the life of a follower. And we really started out by saying that this life is a new life. We talked about the wineskins, how you can't put old wine in new wineskins. And y'all see what I was wearing? This is to show that I have a new life. The things that I have on have a new purpose. Now, I know I look like the green Michelin man, but this jacket actually will keep you warm down to negative 25 degrees with moderate activity. (laughs) All right? And these boots, see, I had sandals on so that if sand got in them, I can just kick them off. Or if I could walk, I walk in the water, you know what I'm saying? But they dry quickly. But these boots, man, they keep my feet warm. I've got socks on to keep my feet warm. I've got pants on to cover up the skin of my legs because I need to stay warm. Because I have a whole new environment. I have a whole new mindset on life. Everything I have on has a different function. It has a purpose. He says, but those who obey God's word truly show how much they love Him. Why do you obey God's commandments? Not out of obligation, but because you love Him. You love Him. So how do you feel about your sin? If you love Him, you hate your sin. If you love God, your heart is broken over your sin. You can't stand it. It's something you know you struggle with. It's something that will continue to be in your life until the day you die. But it's something your heart cannot handle. As someone who loves God, you see a sin come to the surface in your life, You want to get rid of it so bad you can't stand it. And even if you're in that moment, you're enjoying that sin, deep down inside, you're miserable. Deep down inside, you know you've got to get out of this. You know that God is not looking on your life with favor right now. You know that He just wants you to turn from that sin and look to Jesus and just say, please, please, please take the weight of this off of me. Please just get in my yoke and let me carry the weight of this life. Don't live in your sin. It's killing you. you. All those things will happen in your heart if you are a Christian. If you follow after Christ, those things will happen. I promise you. Because the Bible says, it. If you love God, you will obey His commandments. If that's how you know, and you will hate your sin you will obey God's commandments instead of sin's commandments or yourself because you are no longer living for self. It says, continuing on, that is how we know we are living in him. So you say you know God. You say, basically by saying that, you're saying you're living in Him because you have the Holy Spirit. And by saying that, you're saying that you are a Christian, but this is how you know that you know Him. This is how you know that you love Him, is if you obey His commandments. If your life is characterized by your sin, and not by Jesus, that is how you know. Now, each individual is going to be different, but right now, in this moment, according to this passage, you know that you know what the right answer is. That's how you know. If you ever wonder how you know, that's how you know. Now, the very last verse, and we're going to connect it back to something else here in a minute. says, those who say they live in God shall live their lives as Jesus did. What's the first thing on your mind when we talk about what Jesus did? First thing on my mind was that he did a lot of miracles. I know that about Jesus. I know that he talked to the Pharisees a lot and showed them what God's word says, called them out. I know that uh, there's a woman who committed adultery, and instead of sending her away or letting them stone her, he forgave her. And I know that he talked about the kingdom of God a lot. A lot of those things may be coming to your mind. But let's think for a moment what the most important commandment was. what is the most important commandment? And I want you to think to yourself, how did Jesus actually live? He lived in obedience to the Father. He lived in obedience to the Father. That was how Jesus lived. And the number one commandment, what is it? From Genesis All the way to Revelation, we talk about this. This is what the Bible's about. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, right? What is the opposite of that? Or it's actually more of a synonym. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul is to repent of your sin. The commandment from Genesis chapter 3, when they sinned all the way into Revelation, the number one commandment is to repent of your sin. So you ask yourself, well, how do I know if I'm obeying God's commandments? Ask yourself if you're repenting of your sin, because that's the number one commandment. That's the only commandment that really matters. Because, why? If you're you're repenting of your sin, what are you doing? Your heart is going to be changing. Your heart is going to be, now, the second commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, to not commit adultery, to not murder, to not covet, to not steal, all these other things. That falls under loving your God. Because when you love your God, you hate sin, right? You're repenting of your sin if you're loving God. So let's think for a minute. It says this is how you know you are in God is if you obey his commandments and that if you live like Jesus did. Jesus obeyed all of God's commandments by loving him with all of his heart, mind, strength, and soul. He went to the cross in obedience. And why do you obey? Because you love God. Not because you think you can do it on your own. Now, I want to take you to chapter 1 and wrap this all up. Chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 in verse 9. With this in mind. Think about the fact that he's writing this to us so that we will not sin. And the fact that Jesus himself, the righteous one, is our advocate. And he pleads our case to the Father. That he himself atoned our sins on the cross because of his righteousness. Because he had no sin. And then we learned whether we knew Christ, or knew God, or lived in Him, or whether we didn't. Now we know. Now we know in our hearts what's really real, what's really true. So with that in mind, we go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and it says, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So you want to know what the good news is? is is that your sins can be forgiven. But here's the catch. Here's the thing. That word confess right there is not what you think it is. If I catch you in a lie, and instead of lying about it, you say, okay, yeah, I lied. That's what we think as confession. But that word confession there is meaning to feel the same way about your sin that God does. You're acknowledging the perspective that God has on your sin. So basically, you see your sin the way God sees your sin. Because your confession to me, if I catch you in a lie, it's not going to mean anything to me unless you look at that as if it broke my heart. Now I'm coming to you and asking you, man, did you lie to me? And automatically your heart is broken because I have found out. I know your sin. I know what you just did. And you come to me and you said, man, I'm sorry. I know I lied to you. I know that what I, did, what I said was not true, and I'm sorry. I wish I could take it back. And I know I know in my heart, you know in your heart when your friend tells you those things, you know whether they are telling the truth or whether they are lying, whether they're just trying to get you back, or whether they're telling the truth and really feel that way about what they just did. And you offer them forgiveness. This word confession, it's asking you to feel the same way about your sin that God feels. Now when I want to ask, does your sin break your heart? Does your sin drive you to your knees sometimes? Do you think about it? Do you think about getting it out of your life so that your walk with God would not be hindered? So that the good news of the gospel can go to more people? Ask yourself that question. The good news is is that you can do that. You can confess to God and he will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and he will cleanse you. He'll cleanse you of all your wickedness, making you righteous in front of the Father. The bad news is, though, is that if you don't, I'm not saying you have to, but if you don't, that's how you know. That's how you know. So I do want to ask for those of you who know, that you're not. If you choose the world over Jesus, and you will know, you do know in your heart, whether you're choosing the world over Jesus or not. For those of you who are, and are calling yourselves a Christian, please don't do that. I'm asking you as much grace as I possibly can. Please don't do that. If someone asks you, are you a Christian and you know you're following the world, just say, man, I'm considered. I just, I haven't made that decision yet whether I want to or not. And if you say that in here, I promise, oh, I promise that we will have more respect for you with that confession, it'll be it's crazy because we will pray for you and know that we have grace for you and know that we're not looking at you as if you're any less. I promise we're not. I promise, because if we're confessing sin to God, if we're followers of Christ, we have grace, and we know what sin does to lives. It separates. Why is sin so serious? Because it separates us from God. That's the only thing that can. And so that's how you know. That's what this whole thing about it, Is if you know or not. Now we know. Now we can't plead ignorance. And this call is it's begging you. Now that scene you wrote down in your paper, I encourage you to give it to the Father, because he cares. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to show you grace. And I know, I know in your heart, if you're a Christian, you want that sin to be out of your life so bad you can't stand it. I know you do. I don't even have to ask you to come down here and pray about it. I don't have to ask you what it is that you want to do with that sin. I know that if you're a Christian, you want that sin out of your life and you want to live for Christ more than you want to live for your sin and yourself. I know that. But I know life is a struggle too. And I know that sometimes you feel like you're not a Christian because you don't obey God's commandments. But the good news is, is that he forgives those who are in him but we're not confused whether we're in him or or not in him because we just saw that in scripture plain and clear no gray areas so I'm going to pray and we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us Father tonight God really my heart is just heavy God and I I want so bad Father just to leave my sin behind every bit of it God I want so bad just to have never sinned before ever in my life God I want that so bad because I hate my sin and I hate living for myself God it makes me feel terrible it weighs me down but God no matter how bad I want that it will never happen God, that is why your good news, that is why your gospel is such a joy to me and it's such a joy to worship you because I know that I am righteous before you and that I can approach your throne with boldness because I am set free from my sin and I am forgiven and I am righteous and I am blameless and I don't have to worry about the guilt of my sin anymore. I don't have to worry about the punishment of my sin anymore. God, I am free to live for you. I am free to share your gospel and I am free from my sin. God, that is the good news and God, that is why we praise you. God, that is why we meet. That is why the cross is so important and God, that is why the cross is such good news because we can be forgiven and set free. Father, I pray that that would ring true in hearts tonight. God, for the Christian, I pray that it would encourage them God, and just motivate them to live for you, God, and forget their sin. God, don't be hung up on it. I'm getting tired of just being hung up on sin, God. We got to go. We got to go further. God, we got to accept the joy that you're offering us and not be living in just, God, just this, this weighed down spirit and just thinking about our sin and dwelling on it. We can't do that, God. We're free from it. Lord, I pray, God, you just convict hearts and show them your love. God, show them your grace and show them why your cross is so important and why it's such good news. God, it's all these things that we we ask them in Jesus' name because we know that when we ask them in Jesus' name, they will come true, God. They will be given to us. And it's in your name we pray, amen.